Hello. You've reached Hoop and Holler, a Square One podcast on basketball and other shenanigans. Danny Green, I'm mad at Danny Green. I just want to thank everybody that's been in my corner during this time. With Reagan Griffin Jr. Reagan, you're the best, man. I'm the clamp guy. I am the Giannis Antetokounmpo Whoa. of Lion Center. Eddie Sun. Probably won't get hired by, you know, ESPN anytime soon. Because <laughs> we don't got that clutch connection. And Julio Martinez. On uh, Giannis and the Bucks, I told you so, I told you so, I told you so. Please clap. It comes from at underscore underscore uh, KLU2 on Twitter. Bro, the fact that you knew there were two underscores before the to at underscore underscore KLU. He knows your that, Twitter. That means I'm tweeting it too much. But at, when it boils down, like, that's what we're here for is the yeah. basketball. This is Hoop and Holler, a new voice in the hosting chair. I'm Eddie. This is joined, bullshit. As always, by Reagan Griffin and Julio Martinez. I pushed Reagan out just for an episode because I wanted to feel what it felt like to be back. I want hosting. the power. <laughs> Haven't been on mic number one in half, a year and a half? Probably a year and a half. But anyways, um, usually we tell about our socials going out of the show, but... I think it makes more sense to just give you guys a usernames now. It's HoopHollerPod on Twitter and Instagram. And on TikTok, check us out there because it's TikTok. Hoop and Holler. Hoop with the letter N, Holler. Um, and yeah, that's our social. So let's get into our basketball material for today, starting with John Wall, who is... Um, did he demand a trade or, or did Houston and him basically... They, they it's a mutual agreed. agreement. They agreed that, to, you know, probably. Houston wants to play younger guys and... John, they, they they just don't want to play John Wall. Do, do you, you think know? that John Wall wanted out of there? And he yeah, John Wall wants to play. He wants to he, play. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, because like because when people say mutual agreement, sometimes it's just you know like yeah they, they want to save face and mm-hmm. no, but I feel like this one is actually a mutual agreement. Right, and I, like yeah, I, I think if you're John Wall, right, there's still you still feel like you got something in you to go and contribute to a, a team in a winning context. Well, um, by the words of Reagan Griffin Jr. and Eddie's son, he is an all-star caliber player. What did he average last year? 20 and 7. He's still not all-star in the West. Okay, no, no maybe that. not in the yeah. West, but like that's a good play. I don't, that is not the attitude y'all have. John he, Wall comes he is to you right no. now. He's like, I want to come be a Laker. Hell no. When I have Russell Westbrook? You bullshit. <laughs> John Wall wants to come be a Laker. You say no. No, with Russell Westbrook right now, I don't. Bro. You know what my defense and my shooting would be? Who gives? It's John Wall. No, no, folks don't remember John Wall. And his no. defense is still like okay when he, you know, when he tries. No, nope, nope. That's but, like, crazy. Again, so it's like it's weird because I think in the beginning of the year when Harden was still there, he was playing like kind of well, you know, and people were talking about, oh, like did Houston finesse Washington by getting no. John Wall for Westbrook? Um, and, and he did kind of tail off because of injuries and, you know, the team floundered and he obviously wasn't going to be a part of their long-term plans and they started playing Kevin Porter Jr. more. Um, but that being said, I, I was sort of surprised because I didn't realize that at the end of the year he he still averaged 20 and 7. And People like, conflate bad contracts with bad players. Just because exactly. you have a bad contract does not make you a bad player. This just means you're on a shitty contract, right? Kevin Love, same deal. Um, Wiggins, Andrew Wiggins yeah. kind of the same deal like just because you're on a contract that's not exactly indicative of your value it doesn't make you a bad player John Wall can still play in this league damn well at that like a hundred percent John Wall can play and I think the health stuff is real like he's not going to give you 82 games anymore he might not even give you 50 but you know if you um, if a team kind of 
plans out what his regular season looks like, a contending team, like, you know, 40, 50 games, not too many heavy minutes, and then gear him up for the playoffs. Like, yeah, I still think he definitely has some juice in him. Like, he showed that last year that he wasn't a done player. Mm-hmm. Like, he, he still has something to him. So I'm actually curious whether a contender would actually be willing to reach out to him and, and yeah. you know, want him on a deal. Because part of it, too, is that a player like him is used to heavy usage, mm-hmm. right, playing the lead point guard role, and I don't know whether he's fit for that at I, this point yeah. in his career. But there's also a lot of contenders, and contenders always need players who can put pressure at the basket, players who can handle the ball, who can play, you know, the one at a certain proficiency. Um, if, if So so theoretically, a lot of contenders should be reaching out to him just because a player of his caliber, you know, is is rare. But it's also about, you know, does he um, does he sort of fit what the team wants out of him? Sort of like the Dennis Schroeder question, like, mm-hmm. are you okay with playing a smaller exactly. role, playing like a bench role? Right. He If he wants to be a serious contributor to a championship level team, John Wall has to be the, has to be the number 3 dude and th- there's just no way around it. That's fine. You yeah. can't be the number 2, but he views himself as a number 1 number On 2 guy. On what grounds does he view himself like that? When he was uh, in Washington his whole career. You don't think he viewed himself as all right, it's me and Bradley Beal, but you know, I'm still top dog cuz I was drafted first and it's my team. I mean, I don't think at this stage in his career with John Wall's value clearly isn't like he's not making all-star games. He's not like I don't think John Wall is that like detached from his reality to think that he's going to pull up to the Clippers per se and think that he's going to be top dog over Paul George and Kawhi. No, no, exactly. So this is this brings me to my next point. That's why, you know, some people have thrown out teams like uh, let's say let's say Philly and the Clippers. The reason why the Clippers would be a far better fit is because in Philly what would he view himself as ain't no way he thinks he's better than Joel Embiid he knows he's, as a number two guy yeah as as you know we're co-superstars yeah. and we're leading yeah. our team like that that's not you I think he that's would not lead, you I, I mean okay there's that, no way for me to dictate what he thinks of himself as but in Philly I think that's a damn good spot for him because you get somebody who can handle the rock you can run the pick and roll it's it, it's a good fit from a basketball standpoint but from uh, I I don't want to say chemistry because obviously I haven't seen it yet, but it's it just feels like th- there would be lack of leadership in the locker room, and he would view himself as bigger than what he is. So that's why going to the Clippers, oh you're you know damn sure you're not better than Paul George, and for for sure not better than Kawhi. Viewing yourself as a number three guy, and he's a good passer, uh, uh, more than uh, what people give him credit for. He would rightfully view him. Passer. He would rightfully view himself as a number three guy, which I think would be a great fit. I mean, even at his best, right, I don't. I think at his best, John Wall was way better of a court general than he was of a scorer, right? He would score in pockets, and he made some damn good scoring plays, but this was a guy that's putting up, like, 11 assists a game. League, league leader in assists. League leader in assists. Like, I don't think he even views himself as somebody like, oh, I got to get my 20, 25 shots up a game. Like, I, I think he's somebody who would much rather, you know, facilitate and then in pockets go get his buckets. All I'm saying is that when you spend your the majority all of your career in a place where you're the number one guy and you get compensated for it at a max contract, I mean, like, you're going like, to you're gonna keep playing the way that you play. But see, I, I felt this way about another player on the Clippers, and I said this a lot about Reggie Jackson, who, you know, not even close to John Wall, like, accolades-wise, but he always viewed himself as a number one, felt like he deserved to be the number one. Everywhere he's been, he sort of, you know, wanted that, like, mantle. And um, when he got to the Clippers, I was like, 
you know, no way that he views himself better than like Kawhi and PG and all those players. But sometimes it felt like he did until, you know, the playoffs rolled around and you saw what a player like Reggie Jackson, who was used to being the number one in his, you know, entire NBA career, now yeah, moved no, to a more. That's false. Yeah. yeah I mean, he's in the Thunder. Like there's oh, okay, no yeah, way he okay. thought he's, he well, was no, better than like, Westbrook. He, but he wanted out of the Thunder because he thought he deserved to be the <laughs> he, number no, one. No, he wanted out of the Thunder because Kawhi called his ass up talking about some damn, yeah, your boy wants out, so what's good? Who? No. I'm Reg- bugging. Reggie Jackson? Reggie I'm Jackson. Bugging. Reggie Jackson. <laughs> That's what I get for looking at my phone in the middle of the show, bro. Reggie I'm Jackson. thinking we're talking about Paul Jordan. Nah, he, he, went to the, he went to the Pistons after. Exactly, because he thought he, you know, like, I mean, he knew Russell Westbrook was better than him, but he felt like he deserved to He went to, to the Pistons to get his bag. Like that, that that's Just like all. everybody. There else is goes, no way that Grant. someone thinks that you can go to the Pistons, think you're a number one guy, and you're actually gonna win games. Oh, it's not, in it's not a about Detroit winning. Organization. It's not about winning. I think he just needed his twenty shots a game, you know. Yeah. But what I'm saying is, he kind of had that mentality until he got to the Clippers, and you know, like who, like whoever, you know, talked to him, like really molded him to like a great complimentary player, like unsung hero of of the Clippers playoff run. Um, I mean, if a player like John Wall joins the Clippers, I can definitely see that happening as well, right? Like, what happens when you turn a player with star skills, star background into a complementary player? Like, clearly you have a surplus then at at your role player, you know, positions. I mean, I can also see John Wall doing well in Boston. Like, they... Boston is another one. Could use more guards. Yeah, I think Boston was kind of the underrated team that I think would be a great fit just because Mm -hmm. of the the wing depth that they have and just needing somebody to facilitate the rock. That... And um, they, yeah, they obviously need a, a point guard, but they also started this offseason. They really, really honed in and focused on building out uh, something that Eddie and I talked about the other day, a few weeks ago, maybe um, mid-level contracts, uh, just tradable contracts that you, where you can stack up salaries to get to where you would need to be for a John Wall. And John Wall, here's the last thing. John Wall is the type of player where, um, you know, we were talking about this yesterday. There is no way that the Celtics can trade for a Zach Levine or a Bradley Beal without including Jalen Brown. Like, you're, you're just, you're fooling yourself and you're fooling the fan base. But when it comes to a player like John Wall with a what we talked about, a bad contract, that's a player who um, you can get, would really add value to your team a lot at a position of need, and you wouldn't need to include Jalen Brown. Um, around that. In, in fact, they might need to give you draft compensation, which, you know, Danny Ainge uh, uh, loves collecting. So, mm-hmm. um, But I wanted to throw this out to you guys. You know, everybody been talking about the Clippers. If you were the Clippers, would you be more interested in trading for John Wall or Christian Wood? Reagan, I go John to you. John Wall, 100%. And I know you're trying to bait me because you know how yeah. much I love Christian Wood. But no, yeah. 100% John Wall. I don't need Christian Wood. Uh, well, like Christian Wood doesn't do much for me that I don't already have going for me. Like Christian Wood, he can protect the rim really well. He can stretch the floor. He's like very pretty skilled for a big, but that's not what I need in my offense right now. If I'm the Clippers, I kind of need my big dude to just run around and do stuff. Um, I would honestly feel like Christian Wood would be stifled within that system. John Wall is exactly what I need. Somebody who's going to bring the ball up the floor, facilitate the offense. If I can, I don't even think I would have to rein John Wall in per se and say, oh, I don't need you to do these things. It would just be a matter of him seeing the scope of what the Clippers are and saying, okay, this is where I fit in in that Rondo role, except now I can actually, I'm a threat to score the ball, which adds another dynamic, dynam, dynamicy? Dy- you know what I'm trying to say, to the <laughs> offense, right? So, yeah, 100%, I'm going after John Wall. Christian Wood can't be had. Yeah, I was like, I don't. Like is he? Yeah, no, no. Yeah, 
Yeah, th- there was a report that he's not he's not untouchable. Oh yeah, but that means teams got to give up yeah. like three because he, he's not a he's not a centerpiece that they're building around. They're what? focusing on uh, Jalen Green and uh, KPJ. Mm. I don't know if I believe that, but yeah, I mean te- teams got to better give up a lot, you know, to to get him. Unicorn, unicorn, Christian Wood. Anyways, let's move <laughs> on. <laughs> Um, let's talk about Aaron Gordon, who Dude, just got on. a four-year, ninety-two million dollar contract, if I remember correctly. Yeah. Right. Okay. So that makes it so Denver has that contract in the books. Nikola Jokic's max contract in the books. Jamal I think. Murray. Jamal Murray's max contract in the books. Michael Porter Jr. is about to get cashed Coming out, up, yeah. according to reports. Mm-hmm. Um, who else am I missing? They they have someone else making like good money. Will right? Barton. No. Barton kind of Monte's making all right money. Right? Monte's right money. making like eighteen, right? I think so. Oh no, 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 not Monte. Um Will Barton was making like fourteen fifty. They had Gary Harris making that money, but then they traded him, you know, for Aaron Gordon. That was a great trade. But I mean, like just looking back on it, even in the moment it, you know, it was a good trade, but just looking back on it, it just Maybe. I don't know. I, I personally like I know Gary Harris is always injured, but he's always been like one of my favorite like He's always injured and inconsistent from un- three. Under the radar players. His defense kinda took a step back too. Yeah, it's just I mean, hip injuries. They'll kill they'll yeah, kill need, a playing. You need hips to play defense, that's for sure. You need a hip like Isaiah Thomas, like that's that's a prime. I mean example. the magic might be uh pulling up in, in wheelchairs, like with Jonathan Isaac. Reagan's favorite player. <laughs> I'm in wheelchairs, bro. <laughs> That's Eddie's favorite player, first of all. Like, Jonathan Isaac is cool. I, I like him, but Eddie's really riding for him more than um, me. But so the big sort of implications of this is that Denver, who is owned by one of the Kroenke brothers, who also own the Rams, the Rams. and, like, mm-hmm. two European soccer yeah. teams, pretty much don't dip into the luxury tax um, for the Nuggets because it's Denver. It's a smaller market. Like, that's probably their smallest franchise in their, you know, uh, like, ownership group. Mm-hmm. But they clearly sense that this team has great potential, which rightfully so. Mm-hmm. And they're not only cashing out Gordon to a big contract, they have two max contracts already on the books, and I assume Michael Porter is going to get something close to a max. Um, so basically this Denver core is going to be there. Like they've picked this core, and that's going to be what, what their foundation is for like four or five years pretty much. I would longer. tend to agree, but – that shouldn't be the and not to say that they aren't in a fault like they've improved so much from the point of two years ago where I was like I don't believe in this team at all Jokic has matured Jamal Murray has uh, uh definitely improved and I don't know if you guys have seen Jokic this offseason bro bro looks yoked like for lack of a better term but um, you know what's gonna happen he's well, gonna play horribly gain weight and play oh, better stop. but any anyways um should this be the trajectory that they want to move forward in? And obviously you always want to – it's ideal to move forward with your young core and keep keep the guys that you draft, obviously, if they work out. And not to say that Michael Porter Jr. hasn't worked out, but why not pawn him off to get a superstar? There's what always super- there's always going to be a superstar that's, that's going to make themselves available. You don't know when, you don't know who, but when that moment comes – why not do? But it? that's the whole point of re-signing him, right? Because yeah, yeah, to to get a salary up, right? Yeah, and yeah. then like he'll be a tradable piece. And, he's but still young that, that's what time. I'm saying. So sh- would you guys opt for that route or do what it, you said and go who. with Dame? Let's Dame, yes. Bradley Beal, yes. Zach Levine, Caliber. Yes. Yeah, all three. Yes. I'm very surprised you you guys. You, yeah, I mean, you know, you I love that. Michael Porter Jr., but those are like all star like. Some of the top ten scorers in and the obviously game. it's not just Michael Porter Jr. They got to come Michael Porter Jr. draft picks and maybe another. They can game. have Facundo too. 
<laughs> no, I mean, like, yeah, I, if it's that caliber of player, of course I could, I would cough up Michael Porter Jr. for him. But Michael I Porter think, Jr., Aaron Gordon, and ooh, a few draft ooh, picks. Ooh, 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 hey, hey, hey. Maybe for Dame. I don't know if I would do that for Levine. I don't know if I would do that for Bradley Beal. Because that's a lot. What say you, Eddie? Because that's what they would ask for. <laughs> like, I think, well, I think the whole point is that now Denver has options, right? Because... Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. what if they win the chip with the team that is, you know, basically currently constructed in two years? The o- I mean, only way they do that is if, uh, like, someone gets hurt. I mean, well, said- no, I, I, that's what kind of the question that I want to pose to you all, okay? Because Nikola Jokic is 26, Aaron Gordon's 26, Michael Porter's 23, Jamal Murray's 24. That's a great, like, just same group of age guys. Right. Are they who they are and that's it? Or do we see these four players taking more strides in their game to where they would become even more competitive in the West? I, 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 I mean, I can see that, but there's no way unless somebody gets hurt that they're going to be. Well, if the, mm-hmm. all four of these players get better than they currently are, of course they would be able to compete with some of the better teams yeah. in the and, West and as we do also, start to age out. We, yeah, that's the thing. Like People in the West are getting older. Steph is getting older. Braun is, I mean, already getting older. Um, He's already old. Yeah, Kawhi and PG are not getting any younger. Like who? Who else is a top contender? In the West, D- Dame is getting older, or he might not Chris even Paul. be there anymore. Yeah, Chris. I Lowe. mean, they're already better than the than the Trailblazers. Like, if you're yeah, the Nuggets, there's only three teams in the West that you can make the argument for. That's like, okay, they yeah. might have us, which I'm is s- the Warriors, the Lakers, and the Clippers. Exactly. So the window for them, I think, is already there. And like we, we kind of did this with the Milwaukee Bucks, where we're like, oh, they can't really win unless they get a superstar. And I know they got Drew, with, you know, not really a superstar, but winning is definitely like very much a possibility for them with this team. I think in the next couple. And why aren't the Bucks favorite this year? Because like, the Brooklyn like, Nets. Like are, th- yeah. things, things can break. That's what I'm saying. Things can break right for you, but it has to take that. But I'm like, not talking but, about. But that's what it's. Well, I'm sort talking of, about projecting though. You know what I'm saying? Like, down the line, maybe, okay, sure, this next upcoming season, maybe the Nuggets aren't the team that's going to be coming out of the West, right? Probably not. But when Nikola Jokic is 28-29, when Aaron Gordon is 28-29, when Jamal Murray's 27, when Michael Porter's 27, that's when their window is, and that's when those players can have built upon the skills that they already have and really be a team that, like, four years down the line, what's Braun going to be? Hopefully retired for his sake, right? For his sake. Movie producer. Right, like, exactly. Four years down the line, what's Kawhi up to? What's Paul George up to? That's when your window is if you're the Nuggets, and you can really capitalize on that. And, like, and um, damn, I just lost my train of thought. Tough. But, um, <laughs> damn, I knew I had it. Oh, I was just going to say that, like, things have to almost, like, break. Like, everything always involves a little bit of luck, right? Like, Milwaukee obviously needed Harden and Kyrie to get hurt probably to win the championship. But, like, does it – like, do we really diminish it? Or do no, we just, like, no accept it? Like, t- like, Toronto, you know, needed Katie and Clay to get – it's like yeah. – that, that's just part of it. And, you know, like, for Denver, it's like, yeah, maybe they might, you know, need some luck to win a championship. But I don't think that means that, like, oh, uh, uh, um, what they've built so far is, like, not enough. That you have to – you have to build something that is foolproof, like, luck-proof to win. Like, well, that should be the goal, though. But the thing is, you can only do that if you have – I, I mean, Katie, Kyrie, Harden. You know, I mean, if you have Steph, Katie, Clay, Draymond, it's I like I don't know it why we're talking like about this team in the context of that they would need that much luck to win three years from now. And no, I, I believe that too. I was also going to say that, in terms of like we talk a lot about like team with a lot of potential, teams with a lot of current star power, but 
Denver is a team to me that like is right in the middle there. When you talk about a team that is best built for short-term future success. And long-term, yeah. Oh, I mean, because no one can really project long-term. Like, let's say someone gets injured, who wants out in a trade, whatever. Mm-hmm. But just short-term success for like three to five years, like that's short-term to me. Mm-hmm. They're the best team in the league, like in that I would say so. way. Yeah. Like they're def- I would say they're so. definitely the best team right now in that sort of. Short-term so. projection. I mean, the only player on that team that I would say is, like, near their ceiling is Nikola Jokic, right? Nikola Jokic kind of is who he is. I don't know what beyond just because he's I mean, so damn good. And he keeps on getting better every year, though, that, which is That is another true. Like, the thing. more, I guess, you know, the more data points that he gets to observe, the better his IQ becomes and the more lethal he becomes as an offensive weapon, right? But Jamal Murray, like, yeah, that's a good stay on the floor, right? And we saw what he could, what he's capable of come playoff time. That's a guy. Michael Porter, already one of the most lethal off-ball players in the league right now. Can we get him to be as lethal on the ball or is somewhere in that proximity, right? Or Can on defense. Can we get his handle time? Right, on yeah. defense, right? Can we get him sliding his feet a lot better? Can we get him rotating quicker? Can we get his handle tighter? All of those things are going to be things that take your team to the next level. Aaron Gordon, can we get you a more consistent three ball? Can we get you doing even better um, with your secondary decision making, right? Those are things that, like, yeah, these guys can really be something. Just give it some. I know, I know you a little impatient. You no, 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 I'm fan. not. I, I'm not. It's <laughs> not that it, I'm impatient, but you telling me if Dame wants out next year and this year doesn't goes even worse than it did this past year, you're not pawning off Jamal Murray and a bunch of picks for Dame. Well, if it's just Jamal Murray and a like three picks, I think it would, it would be that Jamal Murray and Will Barton and I don't know some other sure. player because that like that's like a pretty even trade, you know. And like I guess you lose like the youth, but now you're like you got Dame competing for championships. And then right from now. there, you can pawn off. MPJ and Aaron Gordon for a wing. This you telling me two K my GM, bro? I swear, to God. <laughs> I, I swear, I don't bro. Care. But that should be the mentality. You got to go get all assets in. and you flip them. I bro. don't. I like. I. I really like when it comes to future. Like, yeah. I mean, you. You guys know my my thought on this. I mean, it, how long don't... have we been having these conversations? Okay, just like I, I guess here's the dichotomous approach here. Just like there's no guarantee that these guys get better. I know you always like I don't really like young courts because there's no guarantee that there's gonna get better. Mm-hmm. How long have we have we been waiting for Bradley Beal to say I want out of Washington? It, it'll happen. How long have we been waiting for? I, I, just like you could tell me that'll happen. I could tell you Michael Porter Jr. is gonna take an elevation to the game where he's an All Star caliber player. Because then you'll be worth more. <laughs> Perfect. You you just my point is is that one a superstar in the NBA always asks out and you have to be ready to just go all in. I don't like fair. I don't think you're wrong, but I'm also thinking about the perspective that this is Denver, you know, and like they're not a small market. They've had stars like you know Melo on their team, but they're not they're they're not you know an A list city. They're not a big star franchise. Yeah, and they have four players right now, you know, in in Jokic, Murray, MPJ and um, uh, uh, Gordon, Gordon. that really fit the mold of the sort of, I think, people that would want to be in Denver and the sort of players that fans would really attach don't themselves to. Don't tell me MPJ. Except for MPJ. I was going to say, MPJ is the only MPJ one. Hollywood. MPJ don't might be me. the one that like wants yeah. out. But what they're building right now is, to me, like extremely sustainable because unless something really goes awry, it feels like there's already so much love built between you know, maybe not MPJ, but, the, you know, the other players, like Aaron Gordon loved it from day one, you know, like between the players, the city, the fan base. And um, and I know, like, I know winning championships is king, right, in the in the Julio philosophy. Should but it's like... Every philosophy. But 
you know, the sustained like success is also really that is important not better than winning champions for that franchise. Like they need a chip. They need a chip for sure. I'm not. I'm not gonna go Boston level and say you need two in seven years. One, you know. Yeah. Well, I mean, one but, chip in ten years is far better than competing. I'm thinking they, they the definitely need a. Round. They definitely need a chip. But a chip and sustained success would would be marvelous in terms of the the you know what they want out of this kind of core. And I, I think another thing too, and this is more of a callback to the way the old NBA used to work, right back in the '90s, right. I think it's perfectly fine to be that team that year in. And, I mean, Milwaukee did it, right? Year in and year out, it's like, dang, they're right there on the cusp. We don't know if they're going to make it this year. And then one of the years, it happens to break your way, and it feels really fucking good for the franchise. I think that's the type of franchise that Denver could be. Not every team is going to be a dynasty where year in and year out, that's the team that's winning the championship, you know? Um, but Denver, like you said, yeah, it's not that big of a market. How many players are going to demand and trade and say, Denver's where I want to go? It's fucking mm-hmm. Denver. Like, I would, you saw it with Ben Simmons. I want to go to one of the three California teams not named Sacramento, right? Like, it's like, that's what it's going to be. I want to go to the Knicks. I want to go to the Lakers. I want to go to the Clippers. No one's going to want to pull up to Denver. So even if you do take the leap and you trade one of your guys, you then run the risk of not having him there long term. So I think the better play is to keep all your core there, like trusting your player development staff, which they should because they've done a hell of a job thus far, and run with it. Run with it. Yeah. They got good players. And I really commend them for being patient, too, which I know is also Patience. anti-Julio philosophy. Patience. Because they could have easily, I think, said, you know, let me ship Jamal Murray around and Michael Porter around like two years ago, a year ago, mm-hmm. and ended up with the star now and said, you know, it was, you know, whatever X star player and Jokic, and that's our core. And the prospects would be sort of similar. Like the winning is not guaranteed for them. And now you sort of have the team outlook of maybe the star won't stay around and sign the next contract and you're just left with Jokic and whatever else is around him. But now because you were patient, you know, like you traded for a guy like Aaron Gordon, who, you know, is not a star, but, you know, a, a sort of player that is pretty good and wants to stay around in Denver. And now you have a four player core that at least has like a four or five year outlook. And then now you have options. Mm-hmm. Right. If you want to go get stars after that, you still have something to build off of. You know, if, if this is the core you believe in and you want to ride with them for, you know, five years, then you can do that as well. Mm-hmm. But, you know, their patience, I think, also really paid off like you can't always jump the gun also right you know to to go get that star player when the foundation is not there but now now the foundation is there and they built it out very nicely there you go there you go what <laughs> what you what? just got to be ready what time is it does that watch work no 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 it doesn't so. <laughs> flex bro the, cl- <laughs> the clock says go Don't. get go get superstars <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it's time to trade yeah. michael porter that's what time it is yeah, yeah. Anyways, okay, let's let's talk about something a little more conceptual. Um, buyouts, which has been a point of contention, it feels like, for like a bunch of years now. It feels like there's always a report every year where someone in a small market team, it's always an anonymous executive that's like, this system sucks. Like, this is the reason why only the big market teams win every year, and this is why competitive balance doesn't exist. And I think it's a fair question, right, like the buyout system, because we don't really see other leagues do this in mm-hmm. football well in football like markets isn't really like a thing yeah right and then in, in baseball like players get released but you kind of just have to be trash if you're released but in basketball you see players that are you know like pretty good sometimes they're on a you know a, a bloated contract on a bad team so they don't play up to their potential but you have the option of getting bought out and then signing with you know another team mostly most of the time a big market team on a minimum contract sort of revitalize your career get motivated because you're playing for a contender 
you know, like Blake Griffin, um, and look really good. And and it's the only sort of league where where this system kind of exists. And we know every year, come like February, March, that you know five to ten players are going to get bought out and signed with you know another team and look a lot better. So I guess the question is, right? Like, is this a problem? Because it is not good for competitive balance when you know the Brooklyn Nets already has the three-headed monster and they can still sign like five good players on the buyout market. Here's here's my thing, y'all. Between the two, of y'all name five players that you remember getting bought out recently. Reggie Jackson. One. Blake Griffin, two. Lamarcus Aldridge, three. Gorgie Jang, four. Uh, Andre Drummond. Okay, yeah. Five. How many of those dudes? How often does a buyout player really make the difference? I mean, Blake Griffin made a difference, but maybe not the difference. Like, okay, what but I'm saying is that his Andre, fault? Andre, Andre Drummond made a difference. Oh, he sure he did. damn did. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> we sure damn he did. did. He made a literal exactly. difference, yeah. like in he subtraction really difference. Yeah. But point being, like the improvements that teams make based on the buyout market, I feel like get way overblown by the media, by the fan bases, I guess by these anonymous executives and scouts who really love to talk but don't really want to put their face on stuff for God knows why since you have so many opinions, you can say them out loud with your face on it, but whatever. That's neither here nor there. Point being... The buyout market is not the difference between championships and no championships. Buyout players are not the difference between championships and no championships. It's great for graphics. It's great to put, like, LaMarcus Aldridge's face next to you. It's like, oh, look, 50 all-star games between all the, like, it's great for all that. But it's like, okay, if we're unpacking the game, it's really not making that much of a difference to be like, this is the difference between championships and no championships. It's not fair to the small market teams. If you got LaMarcus Ardridge, it's not like you was going to win a championship because of it. And it's not like the Nets or, or, or the Lakers were going to win a championship because of the buyout players they get. So there's a reason why players are getting bought out. They're not. You're saying the buyout market is only feeding the Bleacher Report graphic and industrial Look, look, here, you, you can't just when, okay, in Western medical practices, they treat. Hey, whoa! They, <laughs> what the fuck? Where are we going? Where they do, doctors are taught like the literally the whole thing. They're taught to treat the symptoms. Yes. Not the underlying cause. Mm. So what? what <laughs> <laughs> so mm, wh- okay. Wh- <laughs> you sound like a whole professor. So, <laughs> so so what's something that we talked about? I think last episode or, or maybe two weeks ago about owners. What's that? That Julio <laughs> <laughs> is that dude at the barber says like, bro, check me out, bro. Western medicine. You're like, yo, bro, we so, talking about basketball. <laughs> okay, so in, in that episode, we and you you guys should go check it out. We talked about owners maybe needing to get checked mm-hmm. by the NBA. So what creates these buyout situations? Bad, bad contracts. contracts. Mm. Why the fuck are you giving bad contracts out? Just, just like, just like. Uh, when we signed, and, and obviously we didn't, we didn't buy out Timothy, uh, Timothy Mozgov, but that—that's um, like a perfect example of signing a horrible contract, like for a player that it's vastly overpriced. Like there, there is no reason. Like there's no one that made you do that. Mm-hmm. There's no one that made you do that. You don't want to be in this situation. Don't sign horrible contracts. That's a product of your bad decision making. Like, pl- just. Put plainly, and if these players do better in their new situation than in their current situation, uh, a la uh, Blake Griffin, like the most perfect example, 
then maybe that environment cultivated him playing better. And maybe you should try to create an environment. Now, like I don't so. think it's the small market teams that are buying out teams or buying out players that are getting mad, though. It's the opposing small market teams that are like, oh, well, we never have a shot at, at getting a guy like Well, Kevin then Love be better. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Right? I mean, I mean, honestly, to an extent, yeah, because it's like, uh, sure, like the buyout players are going to go to the bigger markets and they're going to go play against the, uh, like, whatever, right? But we just saw the team last year. Milwaukee Bucks won championship how many bio players did they have jeff teague was doing something for the <laughs> damn okay i guess i guess we're being serious but like jeff teague <laughs> if you don't want buyout situations to occur don't Brandon sign Jennings can have don't. jeff teague's minutes he could have <laughs> he could have took jeff teague's jersey off of him put brandon jennings in that jersey got minutes and played better bro. It's, it's just so simple if you don't want buyouts to occur don't sign guys to bad contracts okay but like to your point Big market teams also sign terrible contracts, right? But they can get away with it. Uh, do the Knicks get away with it? No, because they're bad. Uh, but like, I don't think that have know. they signed any buyout guys in in, in the recent past? But I, but basically, no. my point is like the Lakers. They're bad. The Lakers and that's the biggest sign, market in, in the U.S. The Lakers can sign like because Ma- we're good. Mazdov and Luol Deng. Because we're good. Did we sign any buyout guys when we were bad? With Jody Meeks and Kendall Marshall and Ryan Kelly and But but the whole point is like Robert like, Sacre. But it's like every team needs to Jordan sign Hill. like big contracts to win at a, for a certain degree, right? Like no no one ever wins with a bunch of mid-level guys. But mm-hmm. tell tell me why we only people only complain or they only complain when we sign sign buyout guys when we're good. That's cuz we're good. And it's not that deep. We signed Andre Drummond. I'm sorry, like he hurt people, us. Like you said, what he hurt and who hurt us? Oh, I thought you meant like hurt, like listening to. Him. I'm like, no. I hope you're listening because you were bad. Like it was, I'm like, I'm like, it's like Andre Drummond. Like yeah, in isolation, very good, talented basketball player. But it's like you got bought out for a reason. All star caliber players aren't getting bought out. If you're getting bought out and going to another team, you're probably like the seventh best player at best. Like it's not like. Teams are are being improved substantially by buyout players. It's, mm-hmm. it's not that deep. It's yeah, not. I'm actually, Plus, the player autonomy that you get, I think, is important. We haven't really talked about that. Like, for players who don't want to be in a situation and want to get out and go somewhere else, if you can mutually agree with your franchise to go somewhere else, yeah, why not? That's true. Why not? That's true. Um, I was just trying to think about, like, going back year by year per championship team, whether there was, like, a crucial buyout player. Because, like, the Lakers in 2020 mm-hmm. – Mark Keith, yeah, okay, Mark, uh, yeah, I guess seventh best player, something like that. Uh, like he wasn't influential, is what I'm saying. Mark yeah. Keith could have got like who some like someone else could have got those minutes. It's not like Mark Keith was shooting 45 percent from three. The Raptors a year ago, I don't think, or two years ago, didn't have anything. No buyouts, no. Warriors, all the Warriors years. See, people were mad at the Demarcus Cousins thing, but that was just because of the the mid level rules, not because of the buyout rules. Yeah, I think. And Demarcus Cousins again, great for graphics. What came like I remember there was some like there was some stretches where it was like okay Demarcus Cousins is making a substantial difference here but there were also some stretches some stretches where it was like okay he's also making a substantial difference and it's not a good one right mm-hmm. so it's like he's getting bought out for a reason he's he's like yes the names are mm-hmm. sexy but it's like what what is it actually putting yeah. on the court I mean like LeBron was the you know basically the 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 um one of like the founding fathers of you know the buyout movement right because he always got like the Chris Andersons and the Kyle Corver is on the buyout market. The 
I always feel like he always got like names on the buyout market when he was with the Cavs and the Heat. But yeah, no, you're probably right. Like the names definitely don't make it's it's not the it's not the impact I think that is what's driving these executives or anonymous people like mad. It's the fact that put your name on it if it's put, not deep team. Okay, it, give it, me it, it, give me a, an example of a of a small market team. Memphis uh, Grizzlies. Okay, I yes. mean you're not gonna like this example, but okay, let's say they were one of the teams complaining, right? Mm-hmm. Um, okay, Blake Griffin gets bought out. He goes to the Memphis Grizzlies. What the hell is he nothing, gonna do? Nothing. That's what I'm saying. Like That's nothing. True. Like if you, and it's not like it's not like these buyout players are guys that you're gonna want to bring in that you're going to keep for a long term, right? It's not like they're building blocks, mm-hmm. right? So it's like, what what is it that you want with these buyout players that, you know, you're, you're going to be able to use for what? So you can first round exit, second round exit? Yeah, I mean, of for course, there, there's a rare opportunity where, again, like a guy like Reggie Jackson, like, turns into someone who becomes, like, very But what if, what would Reggie Jackson have done outside of that Clippers context? You're No, you're right. Like, so not, it's like, not a ton. But, so again, like, I think the complaints, and I'm not, like, trying to, you know, uh, Devil's, devil's advocate, advocate this. <laughs> I'm, I'm just saying, like, the the complaining is nothing concrete, which which is a sort of criticism in a way. Like they're just complaining to sort of you know like shake their fist at the the amorphous nothing, yeah. right? But it's like I also understand where they're coming from though, because like the only team, like franchises, people that get harmed in this sort of buyout system are the small market teams that have to dole out contracts in order to maintain any semblance of competition. Like Detroit, right? Like Detroit, if they don't give Blake Griffin that max contract after they trade They're him, in a better situation now than they were. But, and they, but they're in a situation where they also don't have prospects of winning because you, you just need star players, even if, if they might be washed or a little bit aged. Why'd they have prospects of winning in the 2004 when they won the championship? Why'd they win it with, well, with Isaiah two, Thomas? It's 2004. Like, teams they were found not a way. Smart, weren't, teams did not know how no, to. No, they won in 2004 because somebody threw a beer at Ron Artest. Let's get into it. That was a really good yeah. documentary. Yeah, that, that was a great documentary. But at, at the end of the day, is buyout? There's buyout players every single year. Tell me why they only came to the Lakers when we were good, not when we had Kendall Marshall. But like. Okay, like that that just but, that means we're okay, good. But now. when but when small market teams are good, like Give me an example. Like Denver, let's say the last couple of years. You going to Denver, you going to Brooklyn. Oh, that's the whole point. You abs- you are absolutely going to Brooklyn because Because they're the better team. Yeah. Thank you. So if Denver was the better team. <laughs> so we all agree. There no, I'm saying I think what Eddie's driving at is like if all things are equal. And you know, Team A has a you know sixty percent chance of winning a championship. Team B has a sixty percent chance of winning a championship. But one's in Brooklyn, and the other one's in Milwaukee or whatever. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Small market X. I'm going to Brooklyn, right? That's going to be more fun for me. But the whole point is like, it it becomes fair, I guess when you're a small market team that's in a place where they can compete for a championship and you're getting you're losing out on these buyout players to bigger markets. Mm-hmm. But you're going to have to point that small market team out to me. Yeah. That's suffering because of this because yeah. right I mean, now there isn't one. I mean again like another part of it too is that like the easiness of these buyouts is also making it where players like a Kevin Love type player who's on a bad contract He's on not a bad team out. 
he, he's re- not. He, but I'm he saying, refuses but I'm to. saying, like players know that, like they don't really have to fulfill. And, and I don't believe in this idea of like you have to fulfill the money that you're making. It's like no, you, you got the contract you because the of contract. what you did before, yeah. right? Like not what you're doing now. But still, it it means that they don't have to sort of like honor, you know, like the total, like whatever max or however much money they're making, because they know that the buyout is available for them, and they don't have to give up a ton of money. They can probably make it up, in you know, by getting bought out, and you know, just like basically, like they don't have to put effort into fulfilling the contract that they have, so they can play shitty, get bought out, and then go but to Brooklyn. In the, and then in the play same better. vein that the players are, I guess, in theory, have an obligation to fulfill the contract that they sign. The agreement with the ownership as well is to put the players in a position where it's like, okay, I signed this contract with your team under the pretenses, not just for the money, but I also want to be in a good working environment. I also want to be in a situation where I can compete, right? If the if the Cleveland Cavaliers still had LeBron James and Kyrie Irving to this day, is Kevin Love as bad as we, as he is currently? No. Mm-hmm. If Blake Griffin was, you know, if if by some stroke of God's grace, Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving and James Harden decided to go to Detroit instead of Brooklyn, Blake Griffin would be playing with just the same amount of effort as he is when he's in Brooklyn, right? Mm-hmm. The, uh, part of the reason why these players aren't, like, I guess, you know, giving 110 is because, like, I'm looking around me and I see bumps. <laughs> why am I going to go give out 110 every night if it's like, yeah. What the I, only what? way that this can be quote unquote rectified or fixed to help small market teams that are actually competitive? Because again, I'm from my perspective, it's more of a do I have a chance to win more than it is um, uh, uh, big market versus small market. So the only way that I feel like you can maybe rectify it is by saying, hey, every each and every team in the NBA, you only get one buyout spot per. Per year, hmm. and if you say that, then the Brooklyn Nets don't get the great Lamarcus Aldridge <laughs> and the great Blake, Blake Griffin. They only <laughs> get one pick of them. One. You gotta they pick they one. only get one, and then Blake Griffin goes to the Denver Nuggets. So that's interesting. He'd probably just go to Miami or whatever. My, big he, yeah, he'd yeah. probably go to Miami. Um, I mean, I'll just make one last point: is that like in the NBA, unlike other sports leagues, there's so many like rules in place, right? The salary cap rules and whatever to make it. So that they can try to maintain some sort of competitive balance, have salary caps, have salary slots, trade rules, trade exceptions, all this sort of stuff that like even though it doesn't really work because you still get big market teams running the whole thing. Like even then, the buyout rules are sort of like like a loophole, I think. And, and that's how I'm sure these executives sort of see it is that like, you know, there's like hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of rules. But when it comes to buyouts, players can just basically like get out and then sign with whatever team they want. And it feels like, but in that same vein, the player has to give up money. Like that's just true. I'm I'm just saying like that, that's also another part of it. Like with how regulated the NBA salary stuff is, buyouts may feel like you know, sort of like the the most like wild west part of it. Yeah, maybe that, and maybe that's what's making where I feel like it might be hurting the teams. But then again, I go back to my argument that you didn't need to trade for this player or sign this player to a big contract. The only way that I can see that it hurts the team with the current player that wants to get bought out is if let's say it's John Wall and the Houston Rockets. They're trying to find both parties are trying to find a trade suitor for John Wall that would make sense for him Mm -hmm. and for the team right now. But other teams also know not only is that a bad contract, but if we all wait long enough, they're not going to keep him on the bench for one to two years without playing. He's going to get tired, and he's going to get want to get bought out. That's the only re, like way that I can see, oh, they're like suppressing the market like they kind of do with restricted free agency. But other than that, it's like 
But you, who put you in that position? Like you didn't need to put yourself in that position. I, I also, so. I don't think that there's any sort of loophole or rule that is too fair to the players. Just because, like, the NBA and sports in general, as they're constructed, are like so heavily contingent on, I, I guess, the labor that the that the players produce, and like that relationship in terms of where the power lies versus where is the labor produced, right? Marxist theory. Let's get into mm-hmm. it. But like, it's like. Yeah, there's no there's no such thing as being too fair to the people who are actually making the product what it is, right? Mm-hmm. So if it if it's something that that like swings the pendulum a little bit more in their direction, like fuck it, cool, like yeah, let, let's rock with it. I don't, you know, you see in Confucianist philosophy, no, is that what we're doing? <laughs> no, 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 no. In Hegelian economics, anyways. <laughs> um, but no, I think like I I completely agree. But I also think this is very interesting to unpack because, you know, I am very tired of ESPN making graphics with six players, so six wash stupid. players. On them. I mean, it, it's it's like they um, who the the Brooklyn Nets. This uh, I, I don't I, I think it was ESPN because you can always count on them making these dumbass graphics. But they they made like a graphic of the Brooklyn Nets top five players, and it was like Lamar. Uh, Lamarcus Aldridge and you know all all these players. When you know damn well, it's the obviously the big three headed monster, Joe Harris and Patty Mills. Patty Mills is up there, and Bruce, it, like maybe and, Bruce, and Bruce Brown, Brown too. Yeah, like Bruce. like stop shoving aside Patty Mills and you know actual contributors for big names like DeAndre Jordan, like that. But you know that, that, that those are all like um, ESPN freaking interns that don't know shit about basketball Basketball. and and it's like it's like i i think to reagan's point obviously these names mean much bigger than their actual contributions on the court Mm -hmm. and that that's where the whole media kind of just craziness let's educate let's not let's lose it like it's it's low-hanging fruit and the the really shitty part about julio is like yes there's some people making those graphics that don't know but there's also some people making those graphics that do know and still make the graphics just knowing that that's the low, lowest common denominator of basketball fan that's going to feed on it and like it and share it and do it like yeah yeah sure get your money but whatever like that's that's it's just silly it's mm-hmm. silly it's silly cuz it's, it's it's like you're just reinforcing and perpetuating the idea that LaMarcus Aldridge is some all-star caliber player that's going to make these pay these dividends for the Brooklyn Nets mm-hmm. which he's going to be solid like, it's not like he Maybe. sucks. He's I don't, I don't even know what he's going to do. Honestly. I mean, it's just like, <laughs> it's making me think of like Nakia. So it was like, no, we saw you. <laughs> we saw you. You can't do like, so I can, I can drop I can and switch. pick and rubber. It's like, no, there's tape. <laughs> that was funny. Shout out to guys. But it's like, yeah, it's like, it's not going to be that deep. Like, it's like, chill out, bro. Chill yeah. Out. I hope Omar ESPN's hearing this. We want more Bruce Brown Center. Graphics. Go back to House on Highways. That's when that's when he was doing his best work. If you ask me, but that's neither here nor there. I think this will finish the episode. I I do have one thing that I wanted to mention that I forgot to mention to you guys uh, that I thought of while we were doing the episode. So uh, the NBA is going to be trying out the midseason tournament in the G League, which I think is huge uh, as a little tester to before they bring it to the NBA. So what they're going to do is like a a tournament to start off the G League season and then from after that tournament it moves into like the regular regular season and then obviously to the playoffs and, and the G League finals. So that may be something that obviously the NBA is going to look towards uh in you know putting in into the NBA especially when you think about uh when the NBA kind of starts it's like 
early late October, early November, mm-hmm. right? When the NBA regular yeah. season starts. So if you make a tournament at the beginning of the season, and what's the biggest day for the NBA? Christmas Day. Christmas Day. Christmas. So if you make the tournament finals around that date, like that, that's that's a big day, and that might be the strategy that they're heading towards. Yeah, I, I saw that. I don't have like a lot of thoughts though. I, Just I want to see what it looks like. I, I think the biggest thing to take away is like I think that's a really good idea to kind of use the G League as, as a you know, sandbox in a sense to test out things that you might want to try in the NBA. Like why not? Let not to say that G League doesn't matter because all those players are fighting their ass mm-hmm. off for roster spots, obviously. But like yeah, why not use it as like a way to test things out that may be something to push into the nba mm-hmm. cool idea. like they did the free throw thing last year where you only have one free throw to make two points which oh yeah i think is very, seriously yeah i think it's very interesting Jeez. like it fucks up a lot of the analytical like models people use because yeah. you know the free throw rates and everything but i don't oh, know that was, crap. That was very interesting so do you get 0 for 2 or do you get 0 for 1 actually i actually don't know like Dang, on your like if you missed the first, i think i think pretty sure it's over one it counts as 0 for 1 but the points will but that's the thing, right? It messes up the point models because, like, you either get two or zero, you know, and not like one, Jeez. one, and one. That, that, I would love that. That's interesting. I would love yeah. that. That's pressure. That's pressure right there. And Braun always misses the first free throw. He makes <laughs> a second. And he makes the second once the pressure's off. So that would be interesting. All right. I think that'll do it for this episode. I know Reagan has to, what do you have? You have practice? Well, I got to go to a meeting first and I have oh, okay. practice. Yeah. Small ball center that I always wanted to be. Small yeah. ball center. Cause, um, uh, and just, Reagan's probably going to retire like Kyrie Irving said if he gets traded. Traded from who? To who? The, to the men's team? Man, if they trade me to the men's team, <laughs> I'm getting my ass kicked, bro. Every fucking day. That, that wouldn't even be fun. Anyways. You see what Ethan Anderson did? I showed you. Yeah. You better, see that, did you, you see the video? You, you, better go, you better get bought out and go to Memphis University. For their women's team? Yeah. Hey, man, as long as I get my NIL, I'm chilling. <laughs> hey, or their men's team. Maybe maybe you can lock up Imani. I don't know. Yeah, I got, I got claims for Imani, for sure. <laughs> All right, that'll do it for this episode. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. As stated at the beginning of the show, if you guys listen this far, follow us on Instagram and Twitter at HoopHollerPod and on TikTok. Check out our videos there at Hoop and Holler. Um, thanks to Leo and Reagan for this episode. It's been a pleasure hosting and we will see you next time.